Good morning. morning. Welcome to St. Paul's, and a special welcome to the visitors who are worshiping with us today. Up in Barrow, Alaska, one of the northernmost cities in that large state, it's completely dark. The sun doesn't shine for about two full months, from mid-November until right about now, maybe this past week. Now, we're used to getting a little bit darker in the winter, but that dark, that thick darkness, deep darkness, it's a great picture of our spiritual condition. And right now, though, as they're starting to come out of that period of darkness, a wonderful picture for you and me, too. As today, from God's Word, we see Christ revealed as the light, and he shines on us as well. We'll follow the order of service as it's printed out for you in your worship folder and projected on the screen as well. Let's begin by singing our opening hymn, 381.
Let us pray. Almighty God, you sent your Son to proclaim your kingdom and teach with authority. Anoint us with the power of your Spirit, that we too may bring good news to the afflicted, bind up the brokenhearted, and proclaim liberty to the captive. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Our first lesson today, taken from Isaiah chapters 8 and 9, the people of Israel were looking for answers, but they were looking in all the wrong places, not to the light of the Lord. Yet, the Lord promised he would send them light anyways. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and, looking upward, will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into outer darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. The word of the Lord. In our psalm for today, which we'll be singing using the words of uh, hymn 825, the Lord reminds us that with his light, we have nothing to fear.
second lesson taken from 1 John chapter 2 reminds us to continue to walk in the light by loving each other. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. The word of the Lord. Continue with our solo.
Please stand in honor of the gospel. The gospel for today from Matthew chapter 4 serves as the basis for our sermon. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 904.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon today, the gospel from Matthew 4. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Out in New York City, back in 1977, there was a pretty big storm, and along with that storm, it knocked out the power for most of the city. It was a blackout, and things got pretty dark. Airports shut down, the rail lines were closed, they had to evacuate the subways. When in hospitals they were having operations at the time, some of those places they had to bring the patients out into the street and finish up the operation using headlights from cars. Yet things got even darker that night. Back in that summer of 1977, there were fires started, arson in various places around the city. There was vandalism, damaging buildings and other property, and all kinds of looting throughout that night in the city of New York. Could you imagine living in that darkness? And not just for a night or two, but for weeks or years on end? That'd be pretty unsettling. Darkness has been a big problem in our world ever since Adam and Eve walked away from God and disobeyed him in the garden. The darkness of sin, ignorance, blindness, unbelief. Yet today, God shows you and me the most marvelous light. It's the light that shined on the land of Galilee. We ask that he would still shine on us today. Jesus, shine on our land as you preach among us and also as you partner with us. One thing jumps out off the page here in Matthew 4 that Jesus was not afraid of the dark. When he heard that John had been put in prison, John the Baptist, by Herod, Jesus didn't shrink back from that. Jesus went to Galilee, the very territory that Herod ruled over. He wasn't afraid of the darkness. And Matthew mentions that Jesus went from Nazareth to Capernaum, Really, the backstory behind that, when Jesus preached at his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, there was darkness there. They didn't like what Jesus had to say at all, and they tried to throw him off a cliff. Yet Jesus simply walked through the crowd and went on his way. Many people might have expected the son of David, Jesus, to do most of his ministry in the city of David, Jerusalem. Yet that's not why Jesus came. He came to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament, including shining light in the darkness of Galilee. It's kind of like John the the disciple said in chapter 1 of his gospel, the light shined in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus wasn't scared of the darkness at all. He went into it, as Matthew says, to fulfill that prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus wasn't afraid of that at all. 
Back in Isaiah's time, they were definitely walking in darkness. The people were looking more to political strength and alliances than to the Lord Almighty. They were looking for answers to their situation in all the wrong places, consulting the dead instead of looking to the living Lord and his word. In Israel, at the time of Jesus, things weren't much different. They were caught up in the political idea of driving the Romans out more than they were concerned about their place in heaven, the eternal promised land that God had given to them and promised to them. They were so much more interested in following the traditions of humans than they were the truth of Scripture. And up in Galilee, too, people walking in darkness, whether it was those who were descended from Gentile nations that had been shipped in during previous empires, carrying on in those false religions handed down to them, or the Jews up in Galilee following the Pharisees, those blind guides, They were walking in darkness. Yet the same is true in our land. It seems now more than ever, people walking in darkness, sitting in the shadow of death. So many people in our country too who have come to America from other nations over the past several centuries, including many of your ancestors and mine. So many people who are just following in the same ignorance as their parents and grandparents before them. So many people in our country and even in our neighborhoods who look to and rely on their own goodness, their own nice traditions, their own doing the right thing, to rely on that for where they sit with God. That's darkness, heading for death. This community, and we too, need the light. And that's what Jesus came to bring as he preached all around Galilee. Jesus' message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This was not a one and done thing. This is a continual thing. Repent day after day after day. This wasn't something just for one city, Capernaum, or Nazareth. Jesus went all around Galilee with this news, with this message, with this preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. That means to have a change of mind about your life, to turn away from your sin, to confess and admit your wickedness, to grieve over your wrongs, and to change your ways, to humble yourself. Repent continually, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, Jesus' sermon here, summed up by Matthew in nine words, but there could be weeks and weeks of video content on Jesus' sermon and his sermons. There could be volumes written about it. Because sin affects people in so many different ways and so many different situations. It's a message they needed to hear over and over again. Really, Jesus just took the torch from John the Baptist and the other prophets. This was their message too. And later on in his ministry, Jesus passed that torch on to his disciples. He sent them out also to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
That is Jesus' message, Jesus' preaching for you and for me today, too. Repent. Not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week as well. Repent. Not just of the sins that other people have caught you in, but for the sins that you think no one else knows about. Repent. Not just for the sins that you've heard about, but for every sin. Our tendency is to try to remain ignorant whenever we can. When we hear something we might be doing is maybe wrong, try to keep that light out, content to live in ignorance, content to not think about it. Repent. And not just for a few weeks. Be done with it. For life, changed ways. Repent. Jesus' preaching comes over and over, week after week, and to you again today, but there will come a time when it's done, when it's over. Back in 1977, during that big blackout in New York City, over 3,500 people were arrested in connection with crimes that night. Yet when Jesus comes again, when the time for repenting is done, he's not going to miss anyone. No one's going to slip through the cracks, even though so many other people were caught up in not repenting. They'll be handed over and confined to the darkness that they preferred to Jesus' light. And if you think it's unsettling to live in a city, the most dangerous part of a city where there's looting and arson and rioting and vandalism going on, if you think that's unsettling, try eternal darkness for those who don't repent. Yet Jesus' light breaks through the darkness for you and for me today too. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. We couldn't go to it. The kingdom of heaven had to come to us. And that's what Jesus does for you today. He comes near with his truth and his light. He comes to rule in your heart and in your mind. Jesus, as he stood before Pontius Pilate, said, my kingdom is not of this world, but I have come to testify to the truth. That is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' truth in Jesus' preaching, setting up his throne in our hearts. This is the best news ever, that Jesus was crowned with thorns for you, that Jesus hung in darkness for you, that Jesus died for you for all of the sins that you were sitting in and stuck in and had settled in. Jesus took that all away. Jesus' light has scattered your darkness. Jesus' knowledge and his truth has come and scattered and broken through your ignorance and your indifference. The fear and the shame has set over the horizon just like a sunset. And Jesus' joy and hope have dawned on you. Death is defeated. Light and life have triumphed in Christ, your risen Savior. Kind of like when you're driving along through a construction site at night, and the construction workers that are working during the night, they have these huge lamps 
that glare and shine brightly all around them. Well, no matter where you go, no matter where you sit, whether it's here in a pew or at your kitchen table, whether you're riding in a car or at your desk in school, Christ's light shines brightly all around you and within you. The kingdom of heaven has come to you. You are an heir of eternal life by this light, this light that our entire land around us so desperately needs. Jesus, shine on our land by your preaching among us, but also by your partnering with us. So as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, fishermen, Andrew and Simon, called Peter. Yet this wasn't the ra- a random first-time encounter with these men. Peter and Andrew already knew Jesus. Andrew had been a disciple of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist pointed to Jesus as the Lamb of God, Andrew went and followed Jesus and spent the rest of the day with him. The very next day, Andrew got his brother Simon and took him to Jesus. Here is the Messiah. We found him. Jesus told Simon, your name will be Cephas, that is Peter. And as Jesus kept walking along the Sea of Galilee, saw those two other fishermen, James and John, sons of Zebedee. They already knew Jesus as well. Highly likely that they were among the first disciples called of Jesus, and they had already seen Jesus' wedding miracle up in Cana, turning water into wine. They had already seen Jesus drive out the money changers and clear the temple courts. They had been with Jesus as he was traveling through Samaria, and And Jesus had his conversation with the woman at the well. Then those disciples had gone back to their regular occupations. Now, alongside the Sea of Galilee here in Matthew 4, Jesus calls them to follow him full time, to be his disciples, to go and fish for men. He was going to train them and teach them for that work. Think about it. Jesus could have done it all alone. All the preaching, all the teaching, all the healing, all the miracles. Jesus could have gotten a a learned scholar like Gamaliel from Jerusalem. Jesus could have called well-trained public speakers and people who could really sway a crowd with the way they talked. But Jesus chose these humble, ordinary fishermen to come and follow him. Jesus chose these ordinary, uneducated fishermen, at least without formal education, he was going to train to be fishers of people. That's what Jesus does. He partners with ordinary people like you and me, calls us out of darkness and says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to involve you. I'm going to partner with you in going out and gathering more people with my light what Jesus did for Peter, Andrew, James, and John. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of people. Going out with the light, going out with the gospel, really is a lot like fishing. I don't know if you noticed, but Peter and Andrew, they were casting their nets into the lake. The word for net there is, has to do with a round net with weights all around the edges that they would throw out into shallower water. And as the net would sink down in the shallow water, any fish that were swimming by underneath would be trapped under that net. But then, 
with James and John, they were cleaning their nets. A different word for net was used there. That was a kind of a net that could be dragged behind a boat out in deeper water so that the fish would be caught in it in that way. There were different kinds of nets that different fishermen used in different situations. That's how it is when we're fishing for people as well. Just read through Peter's epistles in the New Testament. He sounds a little bit different, takes a different approach, a different tact, and talks about different things as he writes to people than John in his gospel or his letters. John sounds a little different, but they're both using Jesus' teaching. When you listen to different pastors preach, they may organize their sermons differently or focus on different things from that section of Scripture, but it's still Jesus' teaching, using different nets for the same work. And when you, when you talk to different people about Jesus, it's going to sound different than when I would too, but it's still bringing Jesus' teaching, seeking to gather other people in for Jesus. Different situations, different people, different locations may sound different, but it's still Jesus' teaching. Fishing for people is a lot like fishing, too. In this, sometimes you go out and you catch a cooler full of big fish. Other times you go out and you catch nothing all night. Sometimes we'll try, we'll bring God's word, and it may not seem like it's working. But when Jesus called Peter, Andrew, James, and John to be fishers for people, they knew that they had Jesus' leadership, Jesus' authority, and Jesus' word behind them. And they knew just what Jesus' word could do. When they let down their nets on the other side of the boat, same water, a huge haul that was ripping their nets, a miracle. For you and me here at St. Paul's, we all want to be part of this work, fishing for people. And we're working on a project toward it. And we can't wait to see just how Jesus will bless it. It'll be more than we could have asked for or imagined. He uses us to fish for people. Another thing you can't help but notice here, when James and John and Peter and Andrew were called by Jesus, at once, immediately, they followed him. Well, what about Zebedee? What about the fishing business? What about their homes? How could they just leave that all behind and follow Jesus? Well, for you and me, too. Nothing is more important than following Jesus. It's a priority. Immediately, at once, right away. There are people all around us lonely and lost and languishing in darkness. People all around us who are dying and dead in darkness. It's time to fish. It's time to go. You may not be as bold as Peter. You may not be as persuasive as Andrew who was able to bring his brother Peter to Jesus the very next day. You may not have the decades of experience that John was able to accumulate. You may not be able to have a front row seat for all kinds of special miracles like James. But Jesus partners with you. 
He uses you and the gifts he has given to you to be a part of this important work of fishing. Jesus, shine on our land, partnering with us. Back in that blackout of 1977 out in New York City, with all that darkness settling in on the city, there was one place that shined brightly that anyone around could see cutting through the darkness. It's the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty had a power source from outside of New York City. And so it continued to shine. You and I, we have so much more than a lifeless statue. We have a living Savior. We have so much more than a motionless hunk of metal. We have Jesus who went around and preached and taught and is still active and busy among his people today. We have so much more than some electricity that gets flipped on and off over the course of the day. We have Jesus who shines 24-7 brightly among us with his word, week in and week out. Jesus, shine on our land. Continue preaching among us. Let your word dwell richly among us. And use each one of us to partner with you with our different gifts and our different abilities. Help us talk to others about you so that more and more people might be gathered out of the darkness into your glorious light. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God which goes beyond all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We sing the Te Deum.
the morning, O Lord, I call to you. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. Father in heaven, you sent your Son, our Lord Jesus, to bring peace and hope to our fallen world. Already in eternity, you planned to overturn the tyranny of Satan and the ravages of sin, and you kept your promises to restore the perfection of paradise. Lord Jesus, Lamb of God, we praise and adore you for offering your perfect life and innocent death to redeem the world from death and hell. You proclaimed the good news that sins are forgiven and life with God is restored, and you called your followers to share the gospel with all people. Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, through word and sacrament, you create and strengthen faith that trusts the promise of the Father and the work of his Son. You break down the barriers of resistance and rejection and bring the lost into the family of God. And hear us, Lord, as we pray in silence. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, move us by your great love to enter the mission fields near our homes and neighborhoods. Help us always to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to this new day. Defend us with your mighty power and grant that this day we neither fall into sin nor run into any kind of danger. And in all we do, direct us to what is right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Let us praise the Lord. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord's face ever shine upon you. Day.
Thank you so much for joining us at St. Paul's to hear God's word and sing his praises this morning. A few announcements. Between services, we're going to be having our last session in the unit on racism in, in Bible class today down in the gymnasium. Looking forward to that. And then we also have Sunday school going on down in the, in the school wing and child care for children of, whose parents are attending Bible class. Uh, with the developments this past week with uh, the Maroons taking the call out to the west side of the state, and so they won't be with us next year. Uh, the school board and other leadership has been meeting behind the scenes to say, where, how do we move forward with staffing for next year? Um, the school board has filled out a call list request form for the synod leadership, and so we are hoping that, it's not firm yet, but we're hoping that that call meeting for an, another principal would happen uh, two weeks from today on February 12th, but more, uh, keep, keep your ears open for more announcements on that. Uh, not calling for another preschool teacher quite yet. While Mandy Ehrenberg is holding the call from South Haven, we wanted to explore with her whether 3K or 4K or some sort of early childhood director position might fit best as we kind of explore what's going to work best for our ministries moving forward. And after we've had more conversations with her, then we will seek to uh, place another call for filling that other spot in our early childhood ministries. Uh, please feel free to speak with uh, me or a school board member if you have more questions about how plans are developing with that. Uh, next weekend we'll be having our elected leader installation and so those who were elected at the annual meeting last week will be installed in their new positions whether as church officers, elders, trustees, those kinds of things. And uh, this weekend was the A-team grade school tournament for our basketball players up at Manitowoc Lutheran High School. And uh, the girls fought hard but uh, did not end up making it to today's games. Uh, the boys' A-team is playing for the championship at 6.15 is when it's scheduled. Now over the course of the day, sometimes games take a little bit longer and the, the time might be bumped back a little bit. Uh, but exciting for them and uh, Caleb from our school who plays on that A-team uh, playing later today. Those are the announcements I have. Anything else that should be announced today? If not, please greet those who are worshiping around you and God's blessings on the rest of the day.